Prologue, July 4th, 2210 Julian swings a bag over his shoulder as he takes his first steps outside the secret clock society's headquarters. Excitement and terror mingle together at the sensation of freedom, as fleeting as it is. His dark blue eyes close as he tilts his head toward the cloudless sky. The heat of the day instantly warms him as the rays of the sun seek out his black hair. For a moment he pretends he's free, but it's a lie. He doesn't know what they did to him, but he can't get her out of his mind. This girl he's never met, this girl who is just like him. He is more than the society's puppet now. He's fallen in love, and he hates that fact. Love, he mutters aloud, completely irrational. But he has no idea exactly how irrational the emotion can become. With the implant in his ear, his identification secured with the help of the Federation, he strides to the red car he's been assigned. It's sleek and utterly distinctive compared to any other vehicle he's ever seen. Since childhood, his favorite hobby has been reading magazines about cars and motorcycles. Many days he daydreamed about roaring away on a bike or crawling over rocks in a jeep, his favorite vehicle, but he's never had the opportunity to actually ride in one. After summer disappeared, he'd been locked away from the world, from the simplest things like cars. Now that he is in the future, a whole new type of vehicle intrigues him, hover cars, and he is going to drive one right now. He uses his mind to unlock the door, the neural link another future marvel. It slides open effortlessly, and he slips inside. His hands roam over the steering wheel as he breathes in the scent of the new black leather. He has never driven before, but has passed all the necessary virtual tests. He grins and soaks up the moment. He likes to think he's alone for this, but he's not. The door slides shut, and he's instantly cloaked in shadow. The car starts up, and the windshield glows with menus. He leans back in the seat and digs his hands through his hair. He's making a mistake, but he's afraid there are no other options. His body craves to be near her, but his mind screams to stay away. If he captures her, both their lives may be over. They'll either be killed or used like objects. They're basically the same. What are you doing? He grumbles, disgusted with himself. Maybe he can warn Summer to stay away from him. He's a trap, a walking, talking, tracking device made to love her, made to covet her to the point he can't resist the temptation of locating her. The society is a cruel beast, playing with and manipulating his emotions so thoroughly he can't trust himself any more, can't trust if what he feels is real, but it feels real to him, feels right. He is so screwed. As if he's on autopilot, he starts to drive the car away from the society's Canadian headquarters and toward the unknown. He's afraid that any minute he'll be stopped and escorted back, like he's escaping, but the further he drives, the more he relaxes. The man at the gate waves him ahead as he approaches. A deep breath leaves him in a rush as the pulsing energy inside him ebbs. He still can't believe they let him leave alone. There's that word again. Alone. He must understand and come to grips that this will never be true. The implant makes sure of that. He may not be a prisoner of body, but he's a prisoner of mind. As he races down the highway, hover cars fly overhead in layers. 
He's amazed by the sight, and has to put the car on auto because his attention wanes from the road. Buildings stretch into the sky like elevators to the gods. Holographic signs flicker with advertisements for unbelievable services, like the foreign language implant to understand and speak any language, and leaguers fill the streets in their green and black uniforms. He passes by an outlander camp with its electric fences and guard posts. He should be behind those barriers, and in essence, he might as well be. He swallows thickly as he imagines summer being in one of those camps, so close to death. His heart aches for her and everything she's been through since the restoration. He's been fully briefed about her abilities and how she fled the camps. The only thing he doesn't know is where she was before the Exodus, when two hundred million people vanished. 